What's going on, everybody? It's that day, another good day to get real with your guy, Ronald E. Smith. And my guest today, oh man, y'all know where she's from? It ain't here in the USA. Oh no. She up there in Canada, Oshawa, Ontario, Canada, to be exact. But ladies and gentlemen, my guest today, she is not shy about who she is. And she'll be upfront with you about everything that she does. So let's just go out and introduce the one and only NWHL hockey player, Soroya Tinker. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to share my story and answer any questions you have. Um, but yeah, let's get going. The thing about people, the people that you don't know about Soroya is that while she is a hockey player, she is, that wasn't the only sport that she ever played. I mean, like, there's, if she could, she could probably put down a list of athletic sports that she's touched upon. And I'm, I was actually shocked with one she, she played. So I got to know, when you were starting out, how in the world did you even find hockey when you were playing all these other sports? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, um, I mean, growing up in Canada, I feel like everybody is pretty involved in hockey. I mean, I, we, we always say we're born with skates on. Um, everybody here, we, everybody loves the hockey culture. Everybody loves um, the rink, the ice. But for me, I played just about every sport growing up. But my dad grew up in Scarborough, um, which is I kind of kind of the ghetto outside of Toronto. Um, and he loved to play. He never played competitively or anything like that. But he just really loved the game and had experienced a lot of racism in it. Um, so with that being said, me and my three brothers, uh, we have all tried, played hockey. Um, I mean, myself and my 10 year old brother are the ones that have continued with it. But um, my dad just really wanted to put us in the sport to um, kind of prove people wrong and uh, let our talents show for ourselves and, 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 and let people know that black people are here and, and we're ready to play hockey. Your father loved playing a sport that yeah. is the majority doesn't have African-Americans in it. Like, wherever you look, there's probably, like, count your hands how many you can find. Yeah. So, for him, what even would give him to think, to think about playing this sport when there's countless other sports that he, that he, that he would want to play? Yeah, I think, um, I think in Canada is just one of those things that um, everybody's kind of accustomed to just because everybody loves hockey. And, and it's, we got the snow up here. We got our outdoor rink. there. We've got all that stuff, right? So um, I think for my dad, he just really enjoyed being on the ice and, and being that, um, being different from everybody else at the rink. Um, my dad is is an amazing person. I love my dad so much, um, but he's also, he's, he's the most kind and like loving person ever. So he's very non-confrontational. And um, I think that with that being said, that he wanted to put us in the sport to kind of, um, following his footsteps and make that path for other people. So I appreciate that from him um, just because I know that he wasn't always able to vocalize um, his concerns about the racism that he faced when playing. Just growing up, you know, in, in Oshawa, tell you about yourself as a person, like before you are who you are right now, who was young Soroya? 
Yeah, um, I've always been a go-getter. Um, my parents never had to force me to play anything, force me to go to practice, force me to do my homework even. Um, so I always loved playing sports and, and always had, um, had a different type of mindset growing up. Uh, I think as an athlete, everybody, Every athlete needs that um, that mindset of, you know, you're gonna you're gonna overcome any challenge that's in your way, and I, I definitely have that and have proven that throughout my career. But I think as a as a young woman, I was I was always very outgoing. Um, my family likes to call me extra, uh, <laughs> but I, I, I think with that, um, I'm pretty I'm I'm the voice for me and my siblings. Um, my brothers are more on the quiet side, especially my older brother and, and the 20 year old, but myself and Malachi, Malachi's 10, um, we're a lot alike in the sense that we don't hold back in oh, what no, we're, it's, what we're getting saying. Getting trouble? <laughs> it's, it's, got all the brothers in trouble now? Okay, I see. <laughs> but yeah, we, we don't hold back in, in terms of what, what we believe in and what we want for ourselves. Um, so I think I always lacked a bit of confidence growing up, but I always knew that it was my goal to be the best at whatever I did. And um, I think that throughout my career, I've, I've proven that because I have always been a straight A student. Um, I've always gone to practice. I've always been a leader on all my teams. And um, with that, I think that in the past few years, I've really come into my own and, and I know who I am now. And I, and I know that I am a strong black woman and that a lot of other younger girls look up to me. And, and it's, it's my job to, to show them how they can become um, somebody who's, amazing as well <laughs> and like you said you were the captain of majority of the teams that you that you played for in school yeah. and oh, even all the accomplishments you did for your freshman and for junior and senior year yeah. like female athlete of the year I mean, like, like the class goes three times like yeah <laughs> like that's amazing but how you said that you want to be an example for young black girls and just young black people just to believe in themselves yeah but that confidence that you have now, you know, it's amazing how you were able to build it because during all the times before, there are also times for yourself that you struggled with your belief. I mean, yeah. by the time you were 12 years old, you you're, you know, you started having for an eating disorder. Can you talk, discuss about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think... Uh, I would say just my senior year, I've become more comfortable talking about it just because I know that I'm, I'm not the only one. Um, so I would say growing up, I always was pretty self-conscious about my body. Um, I've been about 5'9", 5'10", since the sixth grade. So I was always bigger than all the boys, stronger than all the boys. And and I think that just led to me having some sort of insecurity of, of being that big force, um, whether that was on the court, on the field, on the ice. Um, so with that, I mean, I think any any female athlete has endured these challenges and, and not all are open to talking about it. But I think for me, um, it was that pressure of wanting to to look the best that I possibly could and, and doing whatever it took for, for me to get there. Um, so whether that was starving myself throughout the week and just binge eating before my game so that I have enough energy to play or, um, or, or running every, I mean, I remember I would run for an hour um, almost every single day on top of my practices on top of my lifting on top of all my other school sports um, just to look the way I thought I wanted to look um, 
where now I think I, I know who I am and I know that um, I'm, I'm beautifully made. And uh, I think with that being said, I, I think that I just want to be that inspiration for the younger girls because I know that these struggles are, are very prevalent in, in women's sports and it's not always, um, not, a, not a lot of attention is always brought to it. So I think it's important for um, all women to, to be comfortable in their own skin and, and not feel the pressures of, of trying to fit in and, and look a certain way. And for this, because that's a lot of stress on yourself. I mean, look, like, like you said earlier, you were a straight A student, you know, yeah. you were, and you always bust your butt every time. But now that, that mental self of yourself is of saying that you don't like yourself. You're always looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, I don't like this, I don't like that. And you're just working yourself to the bone. Yeah. How, how are you even, by the time you did hit senior year, like how were you even able to finally get that mental belief that I can be better? I know I can be better through all this, no matter what I'm dealing with right now. Yeah, um, I think that just comes with with maturing and getting to know yourself better. Um, so I know for me, I wasn't comfortable going to therapy my my freshman year of college. I wasn't comfortable talking about what I was going through. Um, but along with that, it just led for my troubles to to get even deeper and deeper. Um, so. I learned to to open up and talk about my experiences. Um, I wouldn't say, I think anybody who, who knows me knows that I'm, I'm pretty bubbly and outgoing and, and positive for the most part, but I, I am a hardo. I am hard on myself and I am hard on the people around me just because I do expect um, that same energy back from them that I give them. So um, with that, I, I think that I, I do have that level of um, competition in me, but sometimes I take it to a, a, a different level with myself that I don't need to. Um, whereas I, I need to know that I'm, I'm, I'm good enough um, and, and, um, and, and know that I'm okay and know that everything's gonna be all right and, and let people get to know me. Um, so I often have a, a straight face. I'm a pretty straight face person when I'm playing um, which often leads for me to look like, I guess, the angry black woman. Um, but that's, that's not the case when people get to know me. Um, I, I'm not the angry black woman. Uh, and I think that when people get to know me, they, they often see that and, and respect me more for being able to open up and, and, get to, and allow them to get to know me. Building off that, mm -hmm. especially with everything that's already that's clouding your mind and then overcoming those, those thoughts and those ideals. Then the decision comes for yourself when, as for every student, you know, when time you read senior year, you gotta decide what school to go to, yeah. time to go to college. And of all, you're from Canada. <laughs> and so I, I'm one, I would love to know where the decision came for you to go to Yale and side question too, were there other schools that were on your mind as well? I would say my recruiting process started probably in the ninth grade, ninth and tenth grade, um, receiving emails and phone calls from from state schools, um, and well, then I want you quickly with that. <laughs> yeah, and then then eventually the Ivy Leagues. Um, hockey recruits very early, um, which I think isn't very helpful for younger women. But again, that's how the NCAA recruits us. Um, but I would say by the end of my 10th grade year, I was still still straight A student, um, still very focused on school and love to learn. Uh, so with that, I, I recognized my offers from my state schools and, and other schools that wanted me to play for them. But 
at the same time, I knew as a woman in sport, I'm not going to make a million dollars playing hockey. Um, so I figured that it would be best that I, I use my intelligence and, and let it take me to an Ivy League school. Uh, so I definitely had other Ivies in mind, but when I arrived on Yale's campus, I, I knew we weren't a top team, but at the same time, the campus felt like home and I liked the setup um, and also just liked everything that I saw and, and saw myself being there. So um, Ivy League was the route for me and, and I definitely do not regret it. I love what you just said about, especially in women's sports, because I, I, a lot of it is with the pay structure. Yeah. of just trying to decide, you know, if it's worth the choice to do this. And especially, too, with the sport you're playing. You know, women's NBA has been going through their up and down battle just for the just to get to the pay scale for themselves. Yeah. So were you even hesitant at any time to say, maybe I should even go to hockey? Maybe I should just go to go try basketball? Um, yeah, to be honest with you, I think my main loves were, were soccer and basketball. Um, I had always played rep soccer growing up. I was always very competitive um, when I played soccer and, and also basketball. So I did have to choose between, between those three sports, but I had made the under 18 national team and had won a silver medal with Team Canada um, in my senior year of high school. And, and with that, my dad figured that hockey was the best choice for me, seeing as though I, I seem to be flourishing in that the most. Um, so that's how I continued my career in hockey. Was your dad ever hesitant for that choice, knowing the things that come with it, the, the negatives for you, for yourself as an African-American? I think maybe in his own mind, but never uh, did he express that to me just because he, he knows how I am. My, my parents both know um, that I, I am a very opinionated um, individual and I usually get what I want because I work so hard. So, um, and they also know that I am the type of person to be very straightforward and blunt with others when needed. Um, so I think my dad knows that I can hold my own, but at the same time, he, he did know the struggles I was going through all the way up. But again, my dad's a very positive and, and loving individual. So he, um, he always told me those comments should go in one ear and out the other and just to prove people wrong. And also too, let's just, just get this out of the way, you know, what, how do you feel about America as a Canadian? You know, are, are we, are, when you look at us, you're, you're around us, are you like, my goodness, you, you Americans are just the craziest <laughs> type of people, okay? Um, yeah, I think, I think being in the States, it's, it, it is a different experience, um, a different attitude. I think that Americans have a, have a sense of pride that Canadians don't necessarily have. Um, and, and with that, I, I, I do believe that when the times I've been in Canada, people have been, they're more kind and considerate, yeah, but, um, yeah. at the same time, I would say a lot of my memories of racially charged situations in hockey um, have come from my Canadian teams as well. So in, in that aspect, I think it's pretty equal, but I think as, as with general attitudes, I think that, um, that there is a different sense of pride in the States. And now with you in Yale, you know, through the years that you were playing there, you also, for your freshman year, you were also battling some other things as well. You fell into a depression. So where did that come from? Was it being homesick or was it something other than that that was bigger fully for you? Yeah, I think I think the moment any student steps onto Yale's campus, they kind of question their place. Um, 
I think that it is a competitive atmosphere there. Um, everybody, not that you're competing for spots in class or anything like that, but everybody is around the same level of, of intelligence. So um, whether that's speaking up in class or um, just expressing how you feel in certain situations, I think everybody at Yale is very confident in doing so. Um, in my freshman year, I think I struggled finding a sense of belonging, um, maybe thinking that I wasn't smart enough or, or good enough to be at Yale. But um, also with my team, I didn't necessarily feel like I was being included. I didn't feel like um, I had a family or friends outside of hockey. So um, I think my sophomore and junior year, I made a stronger effort to reach outside of the hockey boundaries and, and reach out to other teams. So um, anybody who, who knows me knows my, my, two, my two best friends, my two girls, they're, uh, they're on the soccer team at Yale. Um, those, are, those are my girls, you know? So um, I, I think that I definitely needed to reach out and um, find friends elsewhere. Uh, so I think my depression definitely led from me feeling like I was lonely um, and not having a place on campus. And it's so hard because especially, especially to when you're not from an area, you know, yep. you're alone and then you're trying to group in with teammates that, you know, you think will we'll bond, will become best friends, but half the time is for any athlete, that's not the case, but it's also yeah. college college you meet new people and you can meet friends anywhere just like you did yeah but as to bring it up to again as you've always been saying you're not one to shy about who you are and you're blunt of who you are at one point during this you did say that you hated this game you know you hated a game that you were very not only very great at but a, a, a sport that you thought you could build something on so when did that even cross your mind? That became the main main thought in my head when when I felt like hockey just became a chore and it felt like it was my job outside of school. Um, so I just remember coming into the rink with my headphones on. Um, I mean, maybe interacting with a few teammates saying, hey, how was your day? But also knowing on that same end that they didn't necessarily care how my day was, um, which was upsetting to me just because I didn't feel like I was included and, and had many friends on my team. And, and I, don't have a tr I don't have trouble making friends, but I just felt like I didn't necessarily connect with anybody. So that led to me just putting my head down and putting the work in that I needed to do in order to be that shutdown defenseman for my team, uh, regardless of whether they showed that same energy back to me. Um, so I think when it became a chore and when it became my 40 hours a week outside of school job, um, that's when the disconnect happened and, and made, made me hate the sport and make me not want to make me not want to be at the rink. Um, but overall, I think from that, I've learned that having coaches that make an effort to get to know you can change the game completely because that's what happened for me my senior year. What did your coaches do to help bring that love back for you for the sport? My uh, freshman, sophomore, junior year, we had one coach um, that didn't really listen to my concerns. Um, and then my senior year, we had all new coaching staff, which I was very worried about, but at the same time had faith in. Um, and Coach Mark Bolding, he definitely helped me uh, because he sat down and he got to know me. He got to know me as a person and he got to know me as a player. He got to know how to coach me um, and how to approach me in certain situations, being, being the person I am. Um, and with that, he respected me. He respected me as, as one of his players and respected me just like he respected the rest of my teammates, but also made an effort to get to know me on the levels that a lot of my teammates didn't. Um, 
throughout my four years. So uh, whether it was just me going into his office and, and kicking it, kicking back and, and having a conversation with him, or I mean, I, I let him into a lot of personal parts of my life as well. So um, with that being said, I, I think that it's just imperative that coaches get to know their players on a personal level so that they're able to coach them to the best of their ability. And that is important too, because it's, it's, it's all like you just said, connection and just the player and coach bonds. Cause it does help, you know, of course your coach is going to make you do things, going to make you feel like, Oh coach, leave me alone. I'm done. All right. Let me rest. But that, that's all point. But you're still in there and you're still in a sport, no matter what you're still in a sport that is the majority of a white sport. Yeah. And I can imagine now you're in Yale through these four years Ken, thinking about the experiences that you are seeing and feeling as a black woman in a white dominated sport. Mm -hmm. So how are you, how was it now at college? Like the experiences now you were feeling during all that? Coming to an end of my senior year, I wasn't playing. I hadn't planned on playing professionally. Um, I had accepted the fact that my career was over um, simply because I just didn't love playing anymore. I didn't love being at the rink. Um, but Coach Mark, he convinced me to, to enter the draft and, and um, told me that my, my talents would, were going to waste if I, if I didn't um, enter the draft and play professionally just because I, I do have that level of play left in me. Um, but I think that now I'm so thankful for the Black Lives Matter movement because I feel like I'm finally being listened to. Um, I think that I finally found a way to let my voice be heard and others are so interested in hearing my story as well because um, it is one that can be so inf influential to um, younger Black women, whether they're in the sport of hockey or not. I think that um, it's something that, that I've made an effort to do and, and be an advocate for, for that. What is something for... People that don't understand how it feels to be a black woman in playing hockey, what what is something you can tell them that they wouldn't understand unless they were they they were in your shoes? To be honest, I had never played with another black player until my senior year at Yale. So essentially, currently the last game of my career, the last year of my career. Um, so. With that, it's it's the little things. It's the microaggressions. It's the the, the side comments. It's the music. It's yes. um, mm -hmm. it's things as simple as that. Because um, like I know for me, I don't enjoy listening to country music to pump myself up for a game. So I have my headphones in, and it seems like I'm being ignorant towards my teammates, which isn't the case. I just have a different way of pumping myself. Different up. taste. Yeah. Or um, the example that I love to use is. Um, Kirsten Good, I call her Goody. Uh, she's like my little sister. Um, and she was the freshman on my team uh, last year that I got to play with. But it's it's the little comments that are made, the privileged comments where, you know, you kind of look around for the, the confirmation around the room that what was said wasn't okay. And I've never been able to do that until last year. So um, I was able to have that eye contact with Goody and be like, oh no, like that comment wasn't okay. And have somebody in the room that understood the way I was feeling. Um, and it's things as simple as, uh, I mean, boring her can't do after games, um, boring her, her um, like, you know, it's, it's things as simple as that that makes you feel included. Uh, so, so I think as a black woman in the game, there, there aren't many people to look up to and there's, there's not a lot of representation. So right now um, we've got myself, you got Sarah Nurse, 
who is um, a Team Canada Olympian. You got Blake Bolden, who um, is a, is an NHL scout for the LA Kings, who just scouted um, Quinton Byfield, and you've got Kelsey Colzer, um, who is who is now in a coaching position and graduated from Princeton. Um, and and those are really the four Black women in the game that that these younger Black girls have to look up to. Um, and and you look at their white counterparts and they have they have so many they have so many girls to look up to so i think that um representation for black women in the game will be so important do, do you feel or understand why a lot of black people wouldn't play hockey because a lot of people will who play sports like example basketball and football it's a lot cheaper to go get a basketball and just shoot a hoop or to go play football. And the only thing is that, yeah, football ain't, ain't cheap at, at all too. But there's also sport in the process of just getting a football, joining us, joining, joining an inner city team and growing with that. How would you, do you get an understanding of why some black people wouldn't jump on a sport? Because like you just said, also lack of re representation. Yeah, of course. I think affordability is a huge part of hockey. Um, I, I recognize the I, I truly recognize the sacrifices my parents made for me to play and all the money that was put into me um, and my career. But with that being said, like I'm fully understanding that there are people out there that, that can't afford it at all. Um, so for me, I, I recognize the fact that I have been privileged in, in the fact that I can find equipment, whether that was used or new. But for me, I never had a new equipment until I got to Yale. Um, so I, I come from a middle class family um, and, and would say that I've always had everything I've needed um, and, and the, the majority of things I've wanted as well. So, um, but I, I know that hockey is an expensive sport. And um, I think in terms of other black majority sports like basketball and football, it's, it's easy to go pick up a ball and it's easy to, you know, get on the field with your cleats. Um, whereas hockey, you need thousands of dollars of equipment. Um, and it's also, again, representation. So you, it's not like you can just, it's not like you see your black friends uh, like, oh, let's go to the rink. Um, it's let's right, go yeah. to the court, let's right. go to the field. Um, so I think that's, that's a big piece of the hockey community for sure. And side note, just just, just little fun little thing. I just gotta know. Yeah. Say you, you say that sometimes you, you know your colleagues down in Yale are playing some country music. Well, I always rock with Chris Stapleton. He's my guy forever. I don't know a lot of country, so I just get then I gotta know for you what playlist songs top three would you always jam out to to get yourself motivated? Oh jeez. Anyone even... besides Beyonce? You, that's too easy. You can't do that one. <laughs> um, I'm like. I like, I really love like uh, Young Thug and Pop Smoke. Ah, okay, there we go, okay. Yeah, so um, I'm not even like a hardcore, like um, let's get like amped for this game. I'm mm -hmm. kind of more of like a chill, just kind of vibe, like be, not be in my head, um, just kind of vibe out. So uh, Young Thug definitely helps with that. And then the times that I do need to, to ramp it up a little bit, pop smoke, pop smoke got <laughs> would you be Would you be Tim sometimes when you put the music in, you're like, mm, uh, let's go, let's go. Yeah. Your teammate's like, what in the world is she doing to? Oh, no, for sure. I remember when, when Mo Bamba came out, the song, yes. and I had played it in the dressing room, and everybody was like, what, like, what is this? Like, <laughs> And I'm like, okay. And then two weeks later, they're all jamming to it. And I'm like, guys, I showed you this song two weeks ago. Like, okay. damn, now y'all just realizing that it's cool because it's like, Everybody's listening to it. Coming late. Look, look, look at this. Coming later. Oh, my goodness gracious. They, they, they don't know who started that. Oh, my goodness. Right? <laughs>
But see, I, I like that. See, because you know what? Everybody's going to be different with taste, you know? And either you're going to jump on it or you're just going to yeah. stay out the way. But even though, you, yeah. you know y'all like it. You just don't and it. It's not that I hate country music. I mean, I have my country music playlist on my phone. I won't lie. But at the same time, that's not... that's not It's different vibes. Ready. Yeah, it's not getting me ready to score goals and... and exactly. And hit people. So, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that attitude for yourself, you know, just to get yourself motivated, get yourself into the zone of each game. What was then your mindset of the bigger moments in your career? As in, when it was time when you need to make those clutch shots or those big defenses, what were, you, what were you thinking? Were you actually thinking, I need to do this and that? Or were you just lost in the moment? For me, I'm, I'm pretty focused. I'm always in kind of game face mode. And I, I'm usually, I'm the type of player to, to know what I did wrong before my coach has to yell at me about it. Um, so I think in that sense, I'm more of like a chill, kind of know what I need to do kind of player. Um, I think I, I do get, get angry, but I get angry at myself. Yeah, so okay. yeah. <laughs> I think in, in that sense, I think I'm more of a calm, um, collected type of person in my own head which might not always, uh, you know, be my outward response. But um, mm -hmm. at the same time, I, I think that I, I, I can get things done when they need to be, <laughs> need to be done. <laughs> Through your experience of Yale, mm -hmm. work, what could you say about that whole time? Because then when you were at that time thinking about getting persuaded and motivated to think about going professional, Mm -hmm. where other things would you think about doing if this wasn't going to work out? Yeah, um, so I double majored in the history of science, medicine, and public health and sociology. So um, with that, I, I was pre-med my freshman, sophomore year, but I mean, that kind of takes over your life. So I decided not to be pre-med anymore. Um, but at the same time, I've always been interested in medicine and the public health field. So um, if hockey wasn't going to work out for me, uh, and and I mean, all my advocacy wasn't wasn't going to work out either. I think I would definitely be somewhere in the public health um, track, whether that's pharmaceuticals or public health administration or hospital administration, whatever that may look like. Um, but I definitely have other career aspirations outside of hockey, and and make sure to fulfill those when when I know I uh, I need to. And for every athlete, you know, the sport isn't long. You know, yeah. and God forbid anything can happen to any athlete. You know, so the thing of the future, while you're also enjoying the career, is also very smart. Yes. <laughs> My name is Ronald E. Smith. I'm speaking with Saroya Tinker. And you brought this up earlier, and, I'm, and I wanted to save it till now, because it's more, cause it represents a lot of this year. Because while, yeah, you were drafted this year, drafted, and I, that, that's an experience not a lot of people can. And <laughs> I know that probably meant so much to you. But through graduation, through getting, through getting drafted, there's also, we also were dealing with a pandemic. Yes. We were also dealing with the Black Lives Movement that has been hitting the, not just America, but just around the world. Yeah. So I would love to know, through the moment that it all was going down, where, what, where, where were you during George Floyd? And at the, the moment, what were you thinking and what were you feeling? Yeah, um, so I actually was at home um, in Toronto with my family. Um, and I 
I think, I mean, it was heartbreaking for everybody, obviously. Um, and I think that right then and there, I realized that my voice does matter. And so does every other black person's voice matter. Every, every black person's voice matters. Yes. Um, whether that's my career as an athlete or somebody in the professional world, um, but we all matter. Uh, and, and with that, I think that that's when I decided to speak up and, and share my story uh, via social media and let everybody know that there needs to be improvements made specifically in the hockey community. Um, so I, I was definitely at home with my family grieving. Um, it was hard in terms of my 10 year old brother asking questions and, and wondering if he was safe and, and wondering um, what, what he should be doing. Uh, and as a 10 year old, I think that was just so heartbreaking to hear from him because he was, he was scared. And um, I definitely don't want that for any of my brothers. So um, I think just allowing my family to, to grieve and grasp a better understanding of, of how these things happen in the US and, and how um, black lives haven't mattered um, a lot in, in American society over, over so many years as it's systemically ingrained in, in, in American society. So um, with that, I think that a lot of grieving was done, a lot of self-reflection um, and uh, a lot of hardships between my friends, uh, other colleagues and, and my other black counterparts that I interact with on a regular basis. What, what hard conversations did you have to bring up or talk about with your close friends and your friends who, who weren't Black? Yeah, I think I had a lot of teammates reach out to me. And, and I mean, whether it was them apologizing or them recognizing their faults or recognizing what was going on in the world, um, obviously those, those um, apologies are very much appreciated, but at the same time, I think a lot of my conversations revolved around um, anti-racism work and what it meant to be anti-racist and how it's not enough to just not be racist. It's it's a must that you have to be anti-racist in, in this society. So um, I think a lot of those conversations I had revolved around um, me giving people action-based action, action -based steps towards um, allowing themselves to, to view themselves in in our shoes as black people and and um and start their anti-racism work and as an athlete too because while you while you're also an african-american you're also an athlete and yeah. the one thing that fans clearly in this world we've seen they do not like when politics and sports come together they have been very outspoken while athletes have been outspoken whether it be in the nba wnba and mlb talking about black lives matter Hockey also stepped up to talk about that, to talk about Black Lives Matter, but fans were not about that. Yeah. Well, as an athlete, how do you keep your voice out there? Because you're not afraid to talk about it, but fans don't want you to talk about it. I think that goes along with just me being unapologetically myself. Um, I think that it's very, it's easy to see the negativity and the comments made and, and the tweets um, towards me and, and, and whatnot, but it's also incredibly easy to ignore as well. Um, just because I know who I am and I know what I stand for. Um, and I think that you need to know that in order to continue advocating for what you believe in. Um, so I think the, the negativity goes in one ear and out the other often. Um, as hard as it is, it is, it is mentally tiring and, and, um, and taxing, but I think that 
I know who I am and I know what I stand for and I and I want to be able to be that voice and and continue to do my advocacy work through through whatever comes my way. What would you want to say to the people who are telling you, you know, to shut up and just keep playing? <laughs> um I honestly would like to tell them to reflect on themselves and reflect on their own personal experiences. Um, just because I know that their hate and anger um, in their comments doesn't come from what I said. It comes from deeply rooted issues that they have. Right. Um, so in that sense, I, I encourage people to, to look into themselves and, and learn where they've gone wrong and where they've been miseducated um, and to re-educate themselves because I know that that is not my fault it's also not my fault. It's not my job to educate them. But at the same time, um, I do recognize that there are, there are gaps in people's education. And, and I think that they, it's, it's up to them to educate themselves and, and that's on them. So I will provide as many resources as I can and provide myself as a resource. But if they're not willing to open their ears and, and listen and, and read and, and educate themselves, then I, then, then that's on them. See, blunt. Not afraid to say one thing. <laughs> and see, with that and everything that you and all of us experienced through all these, these moments and the growth of the movement and just trying our best to educate ourselves and just to keep everything alive and push for change, for you, you also were able to push yourself out there to get more involved in a lot of things. So I'd love for you to speak upon that. Yeah, so I, I'm so happy that I, I decided to to use my platform and, and have a voice because um, I've been involved in, in multiple things that, that have that have influenced the hockey community. Um, and one of my main volunteer positions currently is with Black Girl Hockey Club. Um, the owner of, of Black Girl Hockey Club, Renee Hest, is, is an amazing, influential woman. And I look up to her a lot. Um, and with Black Girl Hockey Club, we were actually just able to um, provide scholarships to black women who submitted their applications and I was part of our scholarship committee so it was so amazing to read over these applications um, the girls had to send in their their report cards and um, answer short essay questions and we were able to narrow it down and provide these girls with scholarships between one thousand and five thousand dollars and these are little things but they go a long way um, whether that's supporting their love for the game or supporting them economically so that they can continue to participate but um, I think that if I didn't use my voice, I wouldn't be involved in things like this. And, and this, is, this is what I feel like I've been set out to do. And this is what I want to continue to do um, and, and love myself and, and love the position that I'm in. So um, I, I definitely would like to con continue advocating for, for such um, issues. But for yourself then, how do you keep your, your mental state good? Because a lot of this can be taxing. You know, so I, I just would love to know, how do you keep yourself just in the zone of in peace and Zen? Yeah, um, I think a lot of days are very overwhelming. Yesterday was definitely one of those days. Um, but for me, I resort to music a lot. Uh, anybody who knows me from from Yale campus, I always have my headphones in, um, always listening to music. Uh, they It only really pauses when I go to class. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so music is a huge um, outlet for me. Also, I have always enjoyed art. Um, I paint. 
Uh, so one of my my Zen things to do is to paint. Um, I use oil paints and oh, and just kind of sit and jam out and just paint all night, really. So I think that's one of my main releases. But obviously, um, I've got working out, uh, training, and eating healthy. But um, really, music and painting is it for me. <laughs> oh my goodness! So so see, you guys hearing this? Once she's retired, she's gonna be a top artist. Oh my goodness! <laughs> y'all yeah, y'all better buy these paints too. Don't 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 get my <laughs> out now, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and it's hard, you know what I mean? Like, what you just said, what keeps you balanced to keep yourself, keep pushing on. Everybody needs to find that because, especially this year alone, it's been so, so stressful. Like, a lot of it feels like it's always negative after negative after negative. Yeah. So, if you could tell anybody who is listening to this and they are feeling the same things you're feeling, and this year is coming to a close in the, ne in the next few months, what could you what words would you give them to keep them happy and to keep them looking towards the future i think to just let people sit back and realize what makes them happy um whether that's eating a bunch of food or um taking a warm bath or painting like i do um i think that it's so important for people to find what makes them happy and and whatever it is that makes them happy to to accept that and be unapologetically them um I think that it's so important to embrace yourself and embrace your own personality um, and, and embrace your own flaws. So I think when people are able to be unapologetically them, they really come into their own and, and are able to stand up for themselves and, and love themselves on a whole other level than they ever have. I like that. That's some, <laughs> that, that's some honest, good words right there. For sure. And now that you are a member of the, of the Metropolitan Riveters, you know, and as this, you, like everybody else soon, you would hope to get use yourself with your team and move on for the future, but you're also still advocating for black justice yes. and just representation in hockey. And as you move on with that, mm -hmm. what do you hope to do to just keep that voice alive? And again, a sport that is mostly dominated by white people. I run my mentorship program um, for young women, uh, whether that's women of color or white women that play the sport. Um, but I think my goal is just to continue to inspire women to to hop in the game and, and realize that we do have a place in hockey. Um, I I love interacting and love receiving messages from from young girls that, that look up to me and that I can provide advice with. So um, whether I have to hop on a Zoom call or reply to a, a bunch of DMs, um, I, I'm always down to do it just because I know that I didn't have that person when I was growing up and I didn't have that um, representation to look up to. So um, I think with that, I'm going to continue to to mentor young women um, and, and be that life coach for them and, and provide them with that advice that they need and that extra support that they may not have. Do you wish that at the, 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 the things that you, that you want to give up, you're so giving, you're so mm -hmm. willing to give out and want to help so so many people. Do you wish there was people like that for you back then? Um, of course I do. Yeah, I think that it would have changed the trajectory. Uh, uh, I can't speak. <laughs> <laughs> it would have changed the um, my whole career. I think I would have had somebody to um, look up to and somebody to model myself after. Um, so I think that with the game moving forward, we have to realize that we are the trailblazers of this and and although we didn't have somebody to look up to, we have to look deeper into ourselves and realize that um, that 
since we didn't have that person we that we wanted, we got to be that person for for these other young women. Um, so I, I definitely think it would have changed my career and, and changed who I look looked up to and who I um, wanted to be like. But at the same time, I realized that that I've been blessed to be put in this position to be that that go to person and be that trailblazer for other women. I'm speaking with Soroya Tinker, and let me just tell y'all right now, okay? I've loved everything she has said. She <laughs> is so pure who she is, and she'll look you dead in your eye and tell you, this is me, you don't like it, kick the door, get out of here. <laughs> I like that, I love that straight up about her. <laughs> but Soroya, before I, I bid you farewell, mm-hmm. what we do here in Getting Real, we love to just have our guests speak about the people who have helped them, who have pushed them, picked them up when they couldn't walk anymore. Mm-hmm. So this is the shout out time. So <laughs> right here, right now, I want you to show love to anybody, any person who may, may there be, yeah. and give them the love that they deserve. The floor is yours. For sure. Um, obviously, I mentioned my, my dad earlier. My dad is, is a huge supporter of my career. Um, but with that being said, my mom also is. My mom is badass. Uh, <laughs> I think she's the reason why I have the personality that I have. Um, as I said, my dad's pretty non-confrontational, but, but my mom will tell you how it is. Um, hey. And I definitely respect her for that and, and love her. Um, and then also my girls, uh, my girls, Ariel Chavron and Michelle Alozzi, they both play for professional soccer. Um, they're just my go-tos. Uh, that's my squad. Uh, I love them. They were on Yale soccer. Um, they know what they mean to me. And then, um, Obviously, my brothers, I think my 10-year-old brother is, is my biggest fan, always supports me, um, is the cutest little thing, and is a lot like me. So I know it's my job to guide him. And then lastly, um, my awesome boyfriend. Uh, his name is Dante Jan. Um, he is signed with the CFL team, um, the Ottawa Red Blacks, and he's just the most positive and loving individual I've ever met. And um, I always said if I, if I could... If there was such thing as build a man, um, I would have built exactly him. So, um, I, so I, nice. I got what um, I got what I need. I got what I want, um, and and I love him very much. So he's obviously my biggest fan as well. So um, those are those are my people that I shout out to. <laughs> See, and we love to hear it. That <laughs> is wonderful. And Soroya, for your future, what do you? For yourself, not just in the sport, but as your inner self, where do you hope for yourself to be? I I want to be a badass black woman mm. um, in whatever that whatever I choose to do. Um, so whether that's a position with the NHL, which I, I really hope that I can get in with and and um, find a position that will benefit others as well as myself career wise. Um, but I just see myself being a a strong, independent Black woman in business and in um, in the top, uh, and I and I can't wait to be that and um, and show other Black women that it's so possible and that it's 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 not just a dream; it's something that we can um, actually accomplish. And that is one hundred percent the truth. Period. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> My name is Ronald Eastman. This right here is Sora Tinker. And y'all, I think we just got real. (laughs) Like, share, and subscribe. And I'll see you.